The Current Revolution in Cryo-EM An article by Edward Engelman from University of Virginia, Virginia, USA Biophysical Journal, 2016 Structural biology is the study of the molecular architecture of proteins and nucleic acids which are the basis for all life forms. Structural biology came into its own as a field during the 1950s where the atomic structures of DNA and several global proteins were solved. Knowledge of these structures alone is not enough to understand their functions but has become clear that the detailed mechanistic picture of function is not possible without structure information. Studying structure can reveal how molecules have evolved and this type of insight would otherwise be lost by looking at only the molecule sequence. X-ray crystallography has been the primary technique responsible for determining atom models of macromolecules and macromolecular complexes during the past six years. X-ray crystallography begins with the crystallization of a purified molecule or molecular complex. An X-ray beam is directed on the crystal and a unique pattern results from the diffraction of X-ray beams in different directions after encountering atoms in the crystal. An atomic model is generated from this diffraction pattern data that satisfies stereochemical constraints and whose diffraction matches the observed pattern with an experimental error. This approach has been enormously powerful, but it is limited by the fact that the molecule or complex of interest must be crystallized, which is not always possible. Polymers such as protein or nucleoprotein filaments typically must have exactly two, three, four or six subunits per turn or multipliers of these numbers to pack into a crystal. Nuclear magnetic resonance techniques emerged in the 1980s and allowed people to determine the three-dimensional 3D structure of macromolecules in solution. These solution techniques can be quite laborious and are very difficult to use for large complexes. In this review, I will discuss how cryo-EM, electron cryomicroscopy, to some in the field, cryo-electron microscopy to others, has rapidly emerged as one of the main techniques for determining the structures of many macromolecular complexes at near-atomic resolution. The hardware. The first electron microscope was built in the 1930s by Ernst Ruska, but it was not until 1945 circa that the first applications to biological samples were made by Keith Porter and colleagues. Electron microscopy has been a valuable imaging tool for biological specimens, but is limited by both hardware constraints and the nature of biological samples. In contrast to light, electrons scatter strongly from air, which requires that the column 
in an electron microscope under vacuum. This generates a problem in imaging biological material because a specimen, which may be found naturally in an aqueous environment, must be dried before it can be introduced in the vacuum of the electron microscope. Another major problem of the electron microscope arises from the fact that the constraint generated by thin biological samples is quite weak, much as the contrast generated by a cell in solution is quite weak in the conventional light microscope. Different staining methods have been developed to generate contrast for dried biological samples in the electron microscope, just as histochemists have worked for more than a century to create such stains that can be used in the light microscope. Since the focus of this review is on electron microscopy as a tool for macromolecular structure determination, I will not deal with a very rich history of using electron microscopy to look at whole cells and tissues or with the recent impressive advances in electron tomography. The negative staining method for electron microscopy emerged in the 1960s and was used extensively in the 1970s and 1980s for looking at isolated macromolecules and macromolecular complexes. In light microscopy, positive stains typically bind to a particular substance and these provide the contrast between what is stained and really observed and the unstained remainder. The negative stain technique developed by Hugh Huxley and colleagues involves surrounding a sample with an electron-dense solution such as uranyl acetate. This solution is exclusively by the molecule or complex of interest and can be dried to form a glass that is placed in the vacuum of the electron microscope. Negative staining reveals the molecule due to its stain exclusion properties and only the shape of the region where stain has been excluded can be distinguished. The negative stain technique might be able to show whether a protein was globular or elongated but does not elucidate characteristics of a molecule's secondary structure such as the presence of alpha helix and beta sheets which determine the overall folding of the protein. A great advantage came in 1975 when Richard Henderson and Nigel Unwin demonstrated that unstained two-dimensional protein crystals of arrays of bacteriodopsin imagined by electron microscopy at a resolution of circa 7 Armstrong could show the presence of alpha helices. These arrays were embedded in glucose, which preserved the array structure even when dry. The contrast was exceedingly weak in glucose-embedded samples, and the use of crystals was still needed to generate a visible structure. At around the same time, Ken Taylor and Bob Glazer demonstrated that frozen fully hydrated samples could be imagined by electron microscopy, using a cryostate that kept the spaceman near liquid nitrogen temperatures 
while it was in the vacuum of the electron microscope. This surmounted the fundamental problem plugging biological electron microscopy, which was the previous inability to imagine hydrated samples in the microscope. But Taylor and Grazer froze samples conventionally, which meant that the water froze into crystalline ice and caused irreversible damage to biological samples due to the changes in water volume. The field of cryo-EM took an enormous leap forward when Jacques de Boucher and colleagues developed a method for the routine vitrification of electron microscopy samples. When water is frozen extremely quickly, it undergoes vitrification and forms an anamorphous solid state, a glass that is not crystalline. Given the relative molecular simplicity of water, this was a surprising observation because such a phase was never predicted, theoretically. This transition to vitreous glass does not disrupt macromolecular structures. Rather, molecules become frozen in whatever state they exist in solution, which is called cryofixation. The thin, vitrified film containing molecules of interest can be maintained at liquid nitrogen temperatures for many days in a vacuum with negligible sublimation. An entertaining personal account of the development of vitrification by electron microscopy samples by Jacques de Boucher has appeared recently in Biophysical Journal. The contrast of micromolecules embedded in vitreous eyes was much greater than when embedded in glucose, but these are still weakly scattering objects that can best be viewed by phase contrast method. Similar to phase contrast in light microscope, the phase contrast technique used in cryo-EM involves defocusing the microscope by requires a coherent source. Conventional electron microscopes use a simple filament as an electron source, much like the found in an incandescent light bulb, but these sources lack the coherence needed for high-resolution phase contrast imaging. A field emission gun for the electron microscope had been developed. In the combination of these source commercial cryostages and the vitrification method that could be used reproducibly and reliably meant the cryo-EM started to be used in many laboratories around the world in the 1990s. Electron microscopy can be quite labor-intensive as an experienced microbist might need to spend weeks or even months on the microscope to collect the large amount of images needed for the image analysis and the reconstruction discussed below. The fully automated electron microscope was developed by Carger and colleagues, which was a significant advantage that allows current microscopes to work in an unattended manner 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. The traditional means of recording an image in the electron microscope dating back to the time of Ruska involved photographic film. By using film is very tedious. It must be developed and then scanned for subsequent digital image processing and it limits how many images can be acquired in a day. 
for many applications, charge-coupled device CCD detectors were used to surmount these problems. But charge-coupled device detectors were worse than film in terms of sensitivity and resolution. The current revolution in cryo-EM is due directly to the adaptation of complementary metal oxide semiconductor chips hardened to prevent damage from electrons which have a resolution and sensitivity greater than film and they read out read much faster than charge coupled device detectors. This software. The images obtained by CryoEM are projections of a 3D structure onto a two-dimensional film or detector. Like a medical chest X-ray, these projections can be rich information but can be hard to interpret through the superposition of all structure onto a single plane. At about the same time that computer tomography was being developed in medical radiology, it was also realized that one could recover the 3D information from electromicroscopy specimens. David de Rosiere and Aaron Klang generated the first 3D electromicroscopy reconstruction. Rather than using multiple images as would be done in medical tomography, they took advantage of the helical symmetry present in the tails of an icosahedric bacteriophage. The helical symmetry means that identical copies of a protein are related to each other but just a rotation and translation in the tail. So a single projection image of the tail provides all of the information to generate a 3D reconstruction. A vast number of assemblies in biology are helical, but many other types of structures exist. Single particle methods in electron microscopy began with Joachim, Frank and colleagues and took advantage of the fact that when a large assemble of molecules is imagined by electron microscopy, all possible orientations may be found. Thus, a 3D reconstruction can be generated by determining the orientations of individual particles. Single particle approaches have been applied to helical structures, overcoming the need in the original De Rosier and Clark method for long-range helical order in a structure to achieve a reasonable resolution. In a crystal long-range order is maintained by space group symmetry, but a helical polymer does not maintain such long-range order. Deviations from an ideal or average symmetry accumulate and a segment that is far from a reference segment may show little correlation in terms of the expected positions of subunits. This is similar to the bending of a polymer in solution or a strand of spaghetti in boiling water. The conformation of a polymer having the minimum energy is typically a straight rod. Both thermal fluctuations accumulate thereby knowing the orientation of the polymer at one point does not allow one to predict the orientation of a segment a long distance away. The helical viruses 
are rather rigid compared to flexible filamentous plant viruses such as a bamboo mosaic virus. But an analysis of the helical symmetry in such viruses shows that long-range helical order does not exist. With single particle methods in cryo-EM, a reconstruction at circa 3.8 Armstrong resolution was obtained for Solfolobus islandicus rod-shaped virus 2, SIRV2, something that would not have been possible at any reasonable resolution just three or four years ago, before direct electron detectors were commercially available. The number of single particles used in 3D reconstructions by CryEM can easily exceed hundreds of thousands, something that would have been computationally impossible back in 1968 when 3D electron microscopy began. Just as progress in DNA sequencing has roughly followed Moore's law stating that the number of transistors in an integrated circuit doubles every two years. Progress in cryo-EM has also followed the advances in computing power. Many images are needed to overcome the inherently poor signal-noise ratio in cryo-EM. Most of the power in the image, which is proportion to the variance or the sum of the square deviations from the average intensity in the image is actually due to noise. A significant part of this noise arises from the electron counting statistics or shot noise because a low enough electron dose is used which can cause random fluctuations in electron counts enabling pixels to become significant. This noise is more negligible as many particle images are aligned and averaged together and a much greater problem becomes the conformational heterogeneity that exists for many molecules and complexes when they are not packed tightly in a crystal. The approach of this heterogeneity in solution NMR is to generate an ensemble of structures all consistent with the constraints observed whereas in CARI-EM, one might generate a few structures that clearly correspond to different conformational states or only a single structure, excluding those particles that do not match the structure. For the ribosome, a recent study describes starting with more than 1.6 million particles, which were reduced to a more homogeneous subset of circa 400,000 particles yielding a resolution of better than 2.9 Armstrong. We simply do not know the limit of resolution obtainable by cryo-EM for macromolecules. A recent structure of a bacterial enzyme beta-galactoside reached 2.2 Armstrong and the authors suggested that the main limitation on resolution that we now face may be simply the intrinsic flexibility proteins and not the hardware or software that we use. Nevertheless, it is clear that further improvements in microscopes, detectors and image processing software will lead to many more macromolecular complexes 
that can be solved as resolutions approaching 2.0 Armstrong. The growing field of super-resolution light microscopy has been aimed at surmounting the fundamental limitation on resolution in light microscopy, the wavelength of light. The cryo-EM, the wavelength of the electrons, is typically less than 0.02 Armstrong. Therefore, the wavelength of the illumination does not set the physical limit on resolution. What biological insight does one gain from higher resolutions? Consider figure 5 which shows a beta sheet from the sheet of a type 6 secretion system in Vibrio cholera. The resolution of this cryo-EM reconstruction was circa 3.2 Armstrong, high enough to allow a complete chain trace of circa 600 amino acids in the asymmetric unit of the sheath. Because the sequence of the two proteins in these asymmetric units were known, it was possible to treat this sequence through the density placing the large and bulky side chains in their corresponding density. If one had only five Armstrong resolution, portions of this structure might have been built correctly, but ambiguities would have existed, such as in the beta sheet shown. And it will be unlikely that the correct connectivity could be established. Or consider figure 4, where ordered water molecules are visualized by cryo-EM reconstruction and suggest that the resolution is high enough to understand enzymatic reactions or design drugs. Conclusions the rapid advances in cryo-EM over the past several years make it nearly impossible to predict where the field will be in several years. It is reasonable to expect that the exponential growth of near-atomic resolution structures determined by cryo-EM will continue, but we still do not know possible limits in resolution or how large and complex must be to reach near-atomic resolution. The future of cryo-EM is certain to be exciting, with new biological insights gained from this powerful technique. Thank you for listening.